Oh, good evening. Uh, my name is Rob Collis, and I'm on our pastoral team. Uh, and it's a joy to be with you here tonight. Uh, every so often, I have an interaction on the bus, which is a bit more memorable than many others. Uh, and a number of years ago, now, uh, one of my buses got stuck in the downtown east side. And I, I don't remember why we got stuck. It might have been a car crash, it might have been a parade. That, that doesn't really matter. But we'd been stuck in the middle of the street for half an hour in thick traffic, and, and there weren't very many of us on the bus. And there was this one man in particular who, who made quite the impression on me. Through slurred speech, I heard him mutter, you know? And he paused to gather his thoughts. You know, I, I really can't explain it. He was working his way through a six-pack of beer in the morning, and it, it took me a little while to figure out what it was that he couldn't quite explain. But as he sat there mumbling to himself in a bit of a drunken daze, I began to understand that he was wondering what to call the result of a human skeleton after it's been buried in the ground for a millennium. And after some not very sober, but actually quite sober reflection, he came up with an answer. He called it bone dust. Today on Ash Wednesday, we pause to reflect and to participate in, in one of these weirder practices of the Christian tradition. This is the day where you mark ourselves with ash and say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember, you, me, that guy on the bus, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. Or as that inebriated fellow on the bus would put it, we are bone dust. Now, that seems like a rather dour and morbid way to begin a sermon, doesn't it? You are going to die. How's that for a, a cheerful, cheery church sermon? You're welcome. But the reminder of our mortality is good for us. It is good for us to remember that we are mortal, that one day we will die. Because it reminds us that life is a gift. Our very breath is given to us by God. And God alone is the one who sustains our breath. Uh, the pastor David Gibson says, I am convinced that only a proper perspective of death provides a true perspective of life. Only a, a proper perspective of death can provide a true perspective of life. He then goes on to say, living in the light of your death will help you to live wisely and freely and generously. So one of the very best ways to live in this life is to remember that we will one day die. And to live with this perspective that life is, of life and death is actually to live life in a way that prepares us for something. A passage that was just read for us this evening is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom literature, ancient wisdom literature, written by someone I'm going to call the preacher. And in this passage we just heard, the preacher invites us to live our lives with intentionality. He teaches us to live life backwards. In the guaranteed light of our death, he says, as he's just said it, and as, as we know, he invites us to receive our lives as a gift. And this passage has both an observation about life and, and a reflection upon life too. 
He observes the fact of our mortality, and then he offers a reflection about life and how we should live. And so we're going to look at those two different things, the, the observation he makes and that reflection he gives. So if you do have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. If you don't have a physical Bible, you can illuminate your face with BibleGateway.com or the Bible app. Um, I invite you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. In verse 18, we read, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. We are like animals. I don't know about you and how that sits for you, but that doesn't sit super well for me. I am like an animal. Is the Bible insulting me? Is the Bible insulting us tonight? You're just an animal. I mean, that's, that's what biologists say about us. And so clearly the science would say there's something about being an animal, but I didn't really expect the Bible to say, oh, you're just like an animal. But the preacher doesn't end with just that statement. He goes on, and if we can keep reading in verse 19, he explains what he means. He says, Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. When he says that we are like animals, he's saying that we are mortal too. We will die. That's the part of the curse of sin that the Bible tells us about and that Christians believe. We are mortal and we will die. We are under the curse of sin. We humans have the same breath as animals. That very breath God breathed into us to spark within us the gift of life is the same breath that he breathes into all of creation, into animals too. Dogs and cats and birds and mice, horses and skunks, lions and squirrels, for all living creatures, all of us, our life and breath comes from and is sustained by the animating life breath of God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and all that's in it. The preacher says, all have the same breath. And just as animals die, so do we. All come from dust, and to dust all return. We will all die. And to dust, we will all return. We really will become bone dust one day. It's an observation that's it's hard to disagree with, isn't it? It's also an observation that's hard to avoid, but it's also an observation which makes us feel uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable truth, and one which we often prefer to try and avoid or ignore. And we can try to ignore it. We're actually pretty good at trying to ignore that truth in our day and age, aren't we? We find ways to distract ourselves with noise or other things to, to keep us from that awful, boding sense that we are mortal. And we find ways to escape this thought, this truth. To escape it by numbing ourselves to the world around us in some way, whether through 
alcohol or drugs or sex or Netflix. We find something to numb ourselves to this reality that we will one day die. That's the observation. It's a hard one to disagree with. We will die. But as we continue in our passage, the preacher has a reflection too. It's a reflection for us because he's not content to stop once he takes stock of our end. And so he offers this reflection. It's a reflection that seeks to answer that unanswered question. It's that unasked question, really, too. In light of the reality of death, how then are we to live? How are we to live? And so the preacher sits with that, and he sits with it and thinks, like, is there an answer to all of this? And, or like, like that drunk man on the bus, are we just to glumly kind of mumble and say that we're just going to become bone dust and just kind of say there's no way to explain how we should live. In verse 22, the preacher takes all of this, this stuff and he says, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person to do than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Let me read that again. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Now that feels kind of dissatisfying to me. Maybe it does to you too. I mean, it, it kind of sounds like this nihilistic, fatalistic way to approach life. It's almost as though he just shrugged his shoulders and said, like, yeah, that, that drunk guy on the bus was right. There's nothing better for a person to do than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. So what, should we just eat, drink, and be merry because that's all there is, and then tomorrow we will die? No. No. We should eat, drink, and be merry because that's what there is. There is nothing better than that we should rejoice in our work. Can you hear that difference? That's all there is, and that's what there is. That's all there is. Well, that's just kind of saying, well, screw this. But that's what there is. That's saying, no, there's something here for us. And we can enjoy our work. We can only rejoice in the day in and day out of life when we see that it's a gift. A gift from God to us. Our worth, our identity, our value as human beings, it's not in our accomplishments. It's not in our legacies. Our value isn't determined by how we will be remembered by the coming generations. No. Our worth and value as humans is in having been formed from dust. And having been formed from dust with the intentionality of God. The living God who animated, by his living breath, he animated our dust into being. Yes, we are dust. But we are beloved dust. Dust that was knit together in our mother's wombs by the hands of God with love and deliberate intention. Our value and worth doesn't come from our strivings. Our value and worth comes from the very reality that we are, that we exist, that we're here. And we're here because of God. 
We exist and we are preserved and maintained by God and his breath in us. And with that breath, we are enlivened to do a work in this world. Our very existence is imbued with meaning because we were created by a God who loves us. And in light of that, we are able to rejoice in our work. Not because that's all there is, but because that's what there is. There is life. So what is that work? In the book of Genesis, God told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, tend my garden. Tend my garden. They were tasked to steward the creation and present it back to God. And that's at its most basic core is, is at the heart of all work. Every work we have to steward and present back to God everything that he has made, this world which he has made, that is human work. But we can only present something to God when we have already presented ourselves to him. And that's our problem. Because we can't present ourselves to God as we ought. Just as sin kept, crept into Adam and Eve's lives and kept them from God, so it keeps us from God too. And the preacher seems to recognize this, but he doesn't really know how to make sense of it all. And so he kind of dances around it in this passage. But while the preacher sees the world under the sun east of Eden, we can see the world west of the cross. He only had partial sight. He didn't know about the cross yet. But in the light of Jesus, we can see more clearly because we see with the light of Jesus. We are indeed dust. And we will return to dust. But we are not looked upon by God with indifference. You are not looked upon by God with indifference tonight. We are dust. We are just a passing breath. But we are deeply loved. And hear that tonight. You, you are deeply loved. You and I, we are dust. But we are beloved dust. Beloved dust. We are a fleeting breath, yes. But we are a dearly loved breath. Breathed out by none other than God himself. We are fallen dust, yes. But we are loved, deeply loved, and Jesus himself sustains the breath in our lungs and has raised us as Christians to fullness of life, to not just be fallen dust, but to be restored, beloved dust. We are dust, and we will die. But we have a fast and sure hope, the steady anchor of Christ's love proven by the cross and resurrection. And by Jesus' cross, our sins are put away, and they're remembered no more against us, so that we may approach the Father with confidence and boldness, presenting ourselves to him, and presenting our world, this world which he made, back to him. And we can do that with joy. We are beloved dust. So remember, tonight, tomorrow, next week, Remember that you are dust and that to dust you shall return. And so repent and believe the good news that Jesus died for your sins. And this Lenten season, I invite you to seek him with all of your heart, presenting yourselves, your body, and all that you have 
back to him. And you can because you are beloved. You are beloved dust. Let's pray.